crowd. There were 22 here last week, and so I'm a little intimidated by today, and uh, come up front, and I'm all excited, and I stood up to sing, and I sat on my glasses and broke them, so my wife loaned me her glasses. I usually don't wear these purple polka-dotted ones, so let's, uh, let's have a prayer. Loving God, send your spirit to be among us. Silence in us all of that stuff that is calling for our attention, all of those things from the week that, that we brought here with us. Allow us to just be here in this moment in your presence now. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The gospel lesson comes from uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many times as seven? And Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. And our epistle lesson is from Ephesians, starting on uh, chapter 4, verses, verse 22. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourself with a new self, created according to the likeness of God into righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away all your bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. My uh, wife and I are runners. Well, actually, my wife is a runner, and I'm that little pudgy guy chasing behind her. But once I got to about 40, I realized all of the sudden that I was mortal. And that I found out that I couldn't keep doing all the things that I did in my 20s and expect to live through it. So I quit smoking and drinking and all that stuff, and it was no longer an option for me to sit on the couch and eat an entire bag of Doritos. So we began working out. And now I run a couple of miles, and then I sit on the couch and eat an entire bag of Doritos. But over the last couple of years, we've ran a bunch of races, the Ogden Marathon and the Huntsville Marathon and the Canyonlands Half and a bunch of 5 and 10Ks, but my favorite race is coming up in a couple weeks. It's called the Hurt in the Dirt. 
it's a 5K trail run through the woods and across rivers. And, and the really, really cool part is it takes place in the dark. It starts at 10 p.m. And you line up with a headlamp and like a couple hundred other people and you take off through the trees. At the finish line, you're a mess. You're exhausted, you're wet, you're muddy, you're just filthy. So last year, we get done and we're high-fiving, everybody's happy. And then as we're heading back to the car, we realize we're going to make a huge mess in the car. We didn't bring a change of clothes or a towel or a tarp or anything. And my wife is really attached to her Jeep. And she says, don't you dare get in my car like that. And so then I explained to her, well, our only other option is driving around Ogden in the middle of the night in our skivvies. And she said, well, all right, you can get in my car. <laughs> we'll, we'll clean up when we get home. But just like keeping dirty things out of a clean car, St. Paul talks to us today as Christians, don't bring that dirty stuff in here. Take those dirty things off. The epistle lesson is us is focusing on stripping off that old clothing and putting on new clothing. According to Marcus Barth, on his commentary on Ephesians, he says, put off the old nature is not the correct translation. It should say, strip off the old clothing. The Greek words that are used here are related to clothing. They're metaphors for putting on clothing and taking off clothing. Taking off the dirty and putting on fresh. Paul tells us, strip off the old clothing of lying and anger and evil talk. Strip off the dirty pants and shirts of bitterness and hatred and slander and malice. Strip all that stuff off, whatever is foul and clammy and dirty in your life. Strip it off. And then Paul continues with the second part and says, put on some fresh new clothing, some new shoes, some new socks clean shirt, some new jewelry. Put on that new coat of kindness and tenderness. Put on that shirt of humility and meekness. Put on that new necklace of singing and making joyful sounds like the kids did at children's sermon. And especially put on that new shirt, that new crisp, clean shirt of forgiveness. He tells us, forgiving each other just as in Christ Forgiveness is one of the most central themes to the Gospels and to our faith as Christians. The major religions of the world, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, we share a lot of common roots, a lot of traditions. But it is Christianity that calls us to forgive and to be forgiven. It places that as central in our relationship with God. It's that key that unlocks the meaning of the life of ministry the death and resurrection of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the Gospels, the experience of being forgiven factors into miracles and healings. Every time that someone's life is transformed. So here's an illusion for today. I mean, an illusion. <laughs> an illustration, sorry. Here's an illustration for today. One day long after their abusive father had died, Kate asked her brother Kevin how he felt about their painful childhood. I can't condone how we were treated, said Kevin, but 
I've finally forgiven Dad. And Kate was astonished, and she said, Not me. I'm still consumed with rage and hatred. I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive him. But don't you see, Katie? Kevin said, hugging his sister, Then Dad is still powerful, and Dad is still abusing me. See, Kevin wasn't telling his his sister to simply forgive and forget. If we forget our personal and our world history, we risk the cycle of injustice repeating itself. Forgiveness is not forgetting or denying the effects of wrongdoing. And it's not pardoning or excusing. Raquel Lerner, who's a psychotherapist who works with people in, in addictions, explains forgiveness is the road from resentment to connection. Resentment destroys more people than anything else because deep resentment leads to futility and unhappiness and it shuts us off from God. Authentic forgiveness takes time and as the person who is hurt has to work really hard to let things go. They work hard to peel off these layers, layer by layer of dirty clothing, the clothes of resentment and the need for retribution. And ideally, the offender will also work hard to earn forgiveness through sincere and generous acts of restitution and repentance, but our ability to forgive cannot depend on the actions or the reactions of another person. Genuine forgiveness is an eternal, internal process that can occur with or without anyone else's knowledge or participation. When you practice the art of forgiveness, you may reconnect with another person, another community, and you may not. However, you will reconnect with that part of yourself that gets shoved aside when bitterness takes over. Kevin, in our story, discovered that he could forgive his father and yet still be mad at him. Mad at him for abusing his sister and himself. See, forgiveness can exist simultaneously with anger, just as joy can exist in the same time with grief. Someone once said, forgiveness is giving up all hope that you're going to have a different past. When we forgive, we surrender those burdens of hurt and resentment that easily weigh us down and keep us from living a full and a joyful life that God wants us to live. We take off the clothing of resentment and bitterness and hatred and malice and we turn those dirty clothes over to God. We stuff them in a dirty old laundry bag, we tie the top and we hand them to God and say, I got nothing. turn, God gives us a brand new set of clothes, clean and starched and ironed. Those clothes of kindness and tenderness and humility and mostly healing. See, forgiveness is one, uh, is supposed to be one of the hallmarks of what it means to be in a Christian fellowship with each other and with the church. The call to forgive others becomes a challenge to all believers to practice that we have grasped what it means to be forgiven by God. There's that link between receiving and giving forgiveness. Each time, every week, we pray the prayer 
And we're asking to be forgiven of our debts as we forgive others. Even in our scripture this morning, it includes that one little tiny word, as. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. That little bitty two-letter word serves as the middle of the teeter-totter, balancing both ends of forgiveness from receiving and offering. Now let's just stop for a moment and say that I want to be sensitive to how hard and difficult and painful forgiving can be. And there is a lot of stuff in our lives that's silly and we should just get over it. Like that car that cut me off on I-15 this morning. And I didn't even follow him like I should have. But that kind of stuff we need to just get over. But there, are, how do you go about forgiving when you've really been wronged? What do you do when you've been betrayed by someone you love? A spouse, a parent, a sibling, a child best friend? How do you bring yourself to forgive when you have experienced physical and emotional abuse? How do you ever get over being assaulted or robbed or violated in some way? There's not very many of us who are going to make it all the way through life without being injured by someone in one way or another, whether it's intentional or not. And being asked to forgive when you've been deeply wronged or violated, is demanding and challenging work. And it sometimes seems like too much to ask. We know we should forgive. But what do we do with it? What do we do with that anger, that justifiable anger, that resentment? How do we find a healing for our wounds? And what if that person who wronged us is not repentant? What if there seems to be really good reasons for our anger and our resentments? See, forgiving is not really an act. It's more of a process. A process of letting go and releasing, of taking off that wound, that violation, that wrong that has been done to it, but most importantly, that power that it has over us. Forgiveness is an act of turning that stuff all over to the care of God. The willingness to forgive when we have been deeply injured is a spiritual struggle. When we hold on to hurts and it's eating us up inside, it means that we're allowing it to have power over us. When we brood about a violation against us, we can choose whether or not we will let it consume us. It's like the dogs that wear those lampshade things. That they keep licking the wound that won't ever heal. When we find ourselves depressed or lose our self-esteem because of a wrong done to us, we are letting that power over us and we are letting it to continue to victimize us. When we are tempted to hold on to hurt, we allow resentment and anger to build until it twists us and clouds our better judgment. And damage, real damage is done to us when we're unable to forgive. Forgiveness is a willingness to let go, to send away, to release that wrong, that hurt, and its power to define who we are. And we take off those dirty clothes, those soiled clothes, and we give them to God. See, forgiveness 
is an act of liberation for us. And one of the hardest things for us to learn as we grow up is that we can't control other people's behavior. Only our own. And by changing our behavior, we can change our relationship with other people. Forgiveness is not just for the sake of the other person. It's for our sake. Because holding on to resentments and bitterness take their toll on us. By withholding forgiveness, we do as much, if not more, damage to ourselves than we do the other person, spiritually and emotionally and even physically. And when we forgive someone, we don't have to lower our standards or compromise our principles. I like the quotation, holding on to resentment is like swallowing poison and expecting someone else to die from it. We sometimes think that holding on to these wrongs that have been done to us will in some way hold that person accountable for their actions against us. But that's not the way things work. To be willing to forgive does not mean we tolerate or we condone or we excuse any injury done to us. It does not mean that we're supposed to put ourselves in the same vulnerable position ever again. If being injured again, God does not ask us to stay in abusive situations or toxic relationships. God does not ask us to be masochistic or stupid. We should protect ourselves from abusive situations, change the rules in toxic relationships, and withdraw from hurtful people to protect ourselves. See, forgiving is not the same as forgetting. Forgetting does not, forgiving does not erase our memories. We don't all of a sudden end up with amnesia when we forgive someone. The scars, the memory, the hurt, they remain. For that injury that is done to us has left a mark. But when we start to forgive, the pain tends to subside and becomes more bearable as we begin to heal. We can let the memory of the experience lose its power over us, that power that prevents us from moving on. In our gospel lesson today, the disciples asked Jesus, how much is enough? If I have to forgive a guy seven times, doesn't that seem like it's enough? And Jesus says, how about 77 times? Or how about you quit counting? How about you keep Quit keeping score of all these things that have happened to you. How about if you just let them go? And I can imagine the conversation. What do you mean, Jesus? Are we supposed to be doormats for people? Are we supposed to let people abuse us? No, I imagine Jesus saying, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, as my followers, you cannot justify holding on to resentments and grievances. Doing so damages you. It damages relationships. It damages the body of Christ. It damages our congregations. It damages the church. And it makes you an ineffective witness for the gospel of grace. Each one of us has to figure out how to deal with these wounds of betrayals and injuries that we have in our lives. As people of faith, We are called to forgive. 
our starting point is not so much obedience as it is in remembering that we are already forgiven. See, we have this as a model that's instructive and transformative in our life. So here we are, and we face this choice when it comes to forgiving. Get bitter or get better. Holding on to hurts and injustices and resentments lead to disease and illness, whether as individuals, as a congregation, as a denomination, as the church, as a country. Forgiving and letting go releases energy, releases us from the grip of disease and allows God's gracious spirit room to enter us and dwell within us and heal us. We may not be capable or of offering full forgiveness right away. It may take a while and that's okay. It may happen in stages or layers, like peeling away those dirty clothes. Every layer is the blood. It's okay to bring this stuff to God and say, God, I need help with this. It's too much for me. And then allow the power of grace to change our lives. To start taking little baby steps towards being able to forgive as a group. In the end, the power to forgive does not lie within our strength. It's not our sure, sheer willpower or our determination. The power to forgive is not self-generated. It rests on our willingness to tap into the power and the experience of God's good and amazing grace. We love because God loved us first. And we forgive because God forgave us through Jesus Christ for us. We know that when we are on the receiving end of God's forgiveness, we are freed to become a new person, a new creation, able to offer forgiveness in ways we never thought imaginable. So the invitation today is clear. The Apostle Paul says very clear, be renewed in mind and spirit and then strip off that old crummy stuff of your life. Strip it off. Give it to God and just be done with it. And then put on those new clothes. That new clothing of Christ. The clothing of kindness and forgiveness and especially the bright coat of the love of Christ. Desmond Tutu tells us, forgiveness says you are giving another chance to make a new beginning. So that's why we're here. That's why we're people of God. That's why we're people of faith is this new beginning. And that new beginning starts today. Every one of us has scars. Every one of us has pains and hurts. Things that are wrong. You can leave them here. Let's leave them in this room. We'll leave them at that table. Loving God, giver of every good gift. You've given us our lives. And we know that the lives you've given us are meant to be joyful 
full. Help us to give up these things that we have, these hurts, these pains. Help us to make room in our lives for you. Some days the burdens we carry are heavy and weigh us down and our backs spin. Some days we have no music in our lives, but you sent Jesus Christ to heal those burdens. We've heard your promises, Lord, and we just ask that it be so. Through Jesus Christ, amen.